0: I think we scored 37 points in that game, and the offense actually looked pretty good at times. So the, while the Beavs lost big in Fort Collins, my co-worker, you know, we talked, and he said, hey, we'll be fine. We're going to be fine. We'll I don't remember fine. them looking good. Offensively, they did. We'll be fine was the phrase. We'll be fine. I've heard that phrase today from somebody who, <laughs> who follows weather closely. And it just, it brought to mind the phrase in 2017, and as that 2017 football season rolled along, I would see this guy in the halls or around the fields, and I would just look at him and say, ah, you're right, we'll be fine. As we're in the midst of the 1-11 campaign, (laughs) we'll be fine, kept going through my mind. But I understood and always appreciate the optimism that he expressed that after the Colorado State game. I, I had my own doubts, but. But I, generally speaking, we err on the side of uh, positivity when it comes to all these things, and he was doing the same. We'll be fine. Well, I talked to somebody earlier today who looks at the weather uh, and looks at this weekend. I've run into several people this morning who've asked, Mike, uh, we're going to have games this weekend. I just look at them and say, we'll be fine. <laughs> I don't, but that's what I heard from somebody who covers these things more closely than I do and studies the hour by hour, and he believes Right now, right now, you ask me how do I feel about this weekend? not real good. It, mm-hmm. Just in terms of the weather, but and there are, there's no latitude. That was one thing I wanted to find out. That was television did? dictate completely. The answer is essentially yes. That if there's enough time in advance, that maybe the network Pac-12 network could show a little flexibility. If you say, hey, Sunday, yeah. it looks like it's really bad at 2, could we play at noon, or could we play at 4, or whatever? Right. And since traveling's not that big of a concern, I mean, I think there's some latitude, but very little, because this is television, King Television, right? and they dictate times. And so the sense of, well, Friday night, I haven't looked this far ahead, John, but Friday night, 7 o'clock, late night game at Goss. If it were nicer at 5, well, let's just play the game of 5. That's probably not in the card.
1: No, no. It's a 7 o'clock first pitch. Right. And although I will say the forecast that I have, and Picard let mm-hmm. us know, the forecast that I had for 7 o'clock tomorrow night was rain. a 100% chance of it. 80. 80. 80? 100%. Oh, it's down to 80. Okay, good. But that's rain. That is rain. Yeah. The thing about it is... Things have changed over the years. Once you got the, the artificial mound, now it's almost as if you can play as long as there's nothing coming out of the sky. But even that's not true. You can play if rain is falling. It's just when it gets to be like it is right now. We look outside. You just drove over in it. It's, just been, it's, been, a, it's been a solid rain since I drove in here at 4 o'clock this morning. A solid rain. Right. Not pouring, but not soft either.
0: So if the game were scheduled right now, let's just say at eleven fifteen, no, you would not be
1: playing it. I, I don't think so, no. uh, unless they think, yeah, you can play if it's raining because it's all artificial with right. good drainage. I assumed artificial meant slower turnaround time to get back into it, but if it's coming out of the sky, you don't play. Now, I do recall a few years ago, ironically enough, playing Oregon. It was a dirt mound, and both pitchers – but I, for some reason, I in particular remember thinking that the the Oregon pitcher was just having a really hard time with mud in the cleats, mm-hmm. and it just kept going and going. And I remember thinking, when when do you call a game like right. this? Right. <clears throat> and then Doug came through, and you can confirm this if you know. He said, "Coaches determine if a game starts, but once that happens, they give way to the umpires who determine if and when a game will end."
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if at 11 o'clock the coaches get together and they tell the umpire, we're good to go, and you start playing, and an hour later it's pouring, coaches can't say anything the umpire says whether or not you continue.
0: Yeah, and even once the game starts, that in the prerogative of the umpire, Yeah, not television. I think television makes you stay and try to play your game at the designated time. Now, if it's absolutely pouring and unplayable at 7.05 tomorrow night or – 6:05 Saturday night or 2:05 on Sunday. It's not as though television. You must play. No, they. You can't. I mean, there's certain things that you that as much authority that television wields. It's not right. Complete. You play in it. We're here. We have a contract. No matter what the weather, you play. Now it's not quite that. No, and they (laughs) have other programming they can go to. But television
1: has a hard time moving its time slots. So there is really tough. It's uh, it's like you want to think. Now, I wish we weren't on TV this In a weekend. sense, yes. Especially with it being the, the team that, 40 miles away, there's no issue of getting on a
0: plane. That's true. It, it, that, that's right. As much as we love, and Rich Burke and Bill Rao, we hope to have Billy on tomorrow sometime during the Joe Beaver show. Tomorrow, we will have Tim Shelton on tomorrow. Lonnie's son. Bless us, all. 32 years of age. Uh, Lonnie Shelton. The I, I'm looking forward to talking to him. Yeah. Not. It, who certainly, born in 1989, did not see his father's glory, mm-hmm. but those that did and saw Lonnie play, and I had a chance to see him play in person at Gill a couple of times. I'd love to get somebody on that played with him. Yeah, Tim Hennessy or Paul Miller or somebody who could say, "Oh my goodness, how talented was this guy?" Yeah. Uh, what was the time frame? Seventy mid seventies. 75. Yeah, seventy-four, seventy-five, six, seven. Things didn't end well. And it we was before it, the greatness too of the 80, and 80, Before, Yeah, run. before the team made the three straight uh, the Pac Ten championships three straight years, but they did go to the tournament in 74, 75, led by Lonnie and other good players too, but Lonnie was the the key guy. And yeah. what a just skilled, fast. Strong, big and physical, strong big I hands, remember. soft touch. I was only nine years old, but I remember big and strong. Oh, what a great player he was! And now Tim Shelton and Tim, in the release that Sean put out yesterday, Sean Shepler talks about how this place has always been dear to his heart because of his father. And he, and even though I I've wondered and I've never I never really had a what I would call a satisfactory answer to. Lonnie not coming around or not seeing Lonnie around here. Really. Mm -hmm. In fact, I never have in in the years that I've been here. Now he passed away, did Lonnie in twenty eighteen. Right. But in all the previous years, when the would see, you know, you would see AC, you'd see Gary, you'd see Steve Johnson, Ray Bloom, Mark Radford, and others come around. He was not a guy that I saw quote-unquote, come around in all my time. Now, maybe he did so quietly, privately, behind the scenes, and met with old friends and teammates. Mm -hmm. That's something I hope to probe a little bit as we go. In the Tim Shelton era, with another Shelton back, one of the the transcendent names in Oregon State basketball history, Lonnie Shelton. That'd be fun. Just in terms of the talent. So he will join us tomorrow. Today, and coming up shortly, in fact, we have open phones now, text lines, phones. I called an old NBA writer, friend, sports writing warhorse horse, Kerry Eggers. Kerry's down in Alabama. He's going to be writing about his experiences and visiting Mike and Dee and, and had dinner with them last night. I didn't want to waylay or trouble him during his vacation time, spending time with the Rileys down in Alabama. So when he gets back, we'll get kind of a, uh, a summary of the trip. He's going to a Braves game, I think later today, maybe. But I wanted to ask his opinion as a guy who's seen maybe more NBA basketball than anybody that I know about the play involving Dylan Brooks and GP, two. And, and I wanted to know, uh, from your perspective, it's, it's almost impossible to, it's almost impossible, and in fact it is, for us, in any wise, to take our love for GP, the elder GP2, the Beaver Connection, to take that out of how we evaluate uh, the play. Mm -hmm. But if you have any thoughts about how dirty, filthy, vicious it was, well, in this era, absolutely vicious, dirty, filthy, but in a previous era of the NBA, bad but not as bad. It wouldn't be wouldn't be getting the same kind of run that Steve Kerr and others have come and they, they have condemned the play, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Yeah. They Kerr says you cross a line and that line was crossed and you put a guy's career in danger and he was probably dirty. out for the rest of the season. It's a dirty play. Whether intended, that's where Kerr stopped a little short, and he's a dirty player today. No. and I hate him, but he did. Use strong language. Get the f off the court," he said to Dylan Brooks. I mean, it's a that's a filthy, nasty play that affects the trajectory of the series dramatically. We would love to get your thoughts about it as we go. By the way, the update: GP two out for a month. Yeah, so I know the Warriors. Can they get can to make the it, but the, but now it's amazing to me. Connor Latorno will join us, San Francisco Chronicle, who covered Gary here as a Beaver, now is covering him for the San Francisco Chronicle. As a uh, a story that says, can the, you know how the warrior how can they advance without GP two? What an amazing story that in itself is that GP two yeah. the headline can the Warriors win the series without him? That's how important he's become. It's a great story in its own right. But if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us about that, feel free. We have a runner from Rome about to join the show from Rome. Tom Huggins has a group traveling. I believe they're in Rome or they're somewhere in Italy. We're going to bring him on. I hope the whole group is there. It's 8 o'clock at night or whatever it is over there, traveling, hoping to get back in time for regionals in baseball, but I say we have a runner because later today on the show, in fact, about 11.35, Ken Go from Oregon Live and the Oregonian will share his thoughts about the passing of a legendary runner, writer, Kenny Moore. Who said he came of age when he beat Dale Story at Oregon State in 1964 hmm. with Bill Bowerman coaching him scientifically to the win? It's an interesting story in its own right. So we'll get that from Ken, who will join us a little bit later. But Tom Huggins, this is a first, I believe. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me well, what kind of connection we have, Tom, but where are you exactly and what's happening in your world? And thanks for listening to The Joe Beaver Show. Tom, are you there? I could I can hear you fine until just a second ago. <laughs> it sounds pretty boisterous. What Tom, what's going on there? Where are you? Hey Tom, where are you? Maybe, maybe we're not gonna be able to do this. Okay. yeah, uh, I'm gonna let him go on that note. I
1: when I picked up the yeah. phone, he I could hear him perfectly.
0: Yeah, he, he's well, obviously in a room. No, no, and he said I could hear you until a minute ago. How yeah. loud was it when he called in? Perfect. I mean, in the background. No, no, no background. So that noise whole at all. loud background yes. stuff yes came up and he said, I can't hear you now. As
1: if he was alone, and then uh while he was on hold, everybody came in.
0: Okay. All right, let's take a quick break, maybe regroup. Perfect, yeah, perfect. We'll, sound. we'll see what we can do. And who is this? Dave. Okay. Dave, the consummate Adley Rutschman fan, Orioles fan, Wilt fan, Warriors fan, may have an opinion about the whole, this may be Tom again. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Mitchell Verberg at 1230. Connor Latorno and Ken Go all to come. 1240 Joe Radio.
2: You'll find savings throughout the store at the Coastal May Savings Event.
3: Coastal Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs.
2: Coastal makes living your best country lifestyle easy and affordable. This weekend, you'll find extra special savings on everything the country needs during the Coastal May Savings event, including $20 off Ladies Premium Jeans, Miss Me, Silver, Wrangler, and more. Plus, get 12-inch hanging flower baskets just $27.99 and save $400 on the Kodiak 30-gun Safe. Shop in-store or online at CoastalCountry.com with in-store or curbside pickups or have everything shipped to your home. Details in the sales flyer and on the flip app.
3: Coastal Farm and Ranch just what the country needs
2: Locally in Albany, Salem, and Corvallis.
4: At Sweetgrass Physical Therapy and Wellness in Corvallis, we fix body problems. Got an ache, a pain, a sprain, or a strain? We can fix that. Got your knee out of whack or a knot in your back? We can help with that. I'm Dana Hughes, physical therapist and board-certified orthopedic specialist. I'm now accepting new patients. Come experience what physical therapy is meant to be. Relaxed, friendly, and hassle-free. No referral required, and we accept most insurances. Visit SweetgrassPT.com.
3: You can depend on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Have you cleaned your dryer vents this year? If not, call Middleton. Their trained technicians will inspect and clean your dryer venting system with the Rotobrush Vent Cleaning Machine. Plus, they can make any needed repairs for optimum efficiency. Clean dryer vents prevent fires, increase drying efficiency, prevent mold, and increase the life of your dryer. Give Middleton a call to schedule today online at middletonheating.net.
0: Well, we're going to try again, Dave. Hang on, we're going to try again because it would be a first. I'm hoping Tom Huggins can hear us somewhere in Italy on a rooftop restaurant. Tom, are you there? Yeah, we're here. <laughs> okay, Tom. Who's we? Where are you exactly? What's going on? You're you're
5: kind of cutting out a little bit, but yeah, we can hear you. We're in we're in Rome. We're about uh, we just had we just had dinner at a restaurant right next to the Colosseum, and we're. Uh, we're probably what a hundred and fifty yards from the Coliseum in Rome. <laughs>
0: wow! You know, uh, well, this yeah, is a first. Yards. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what's the occasion? I mean, uh, do you have mostly Beaver fans traveling on this one? Well, you know,
5: Mike, we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of Beaver trips. So, you know, our Europe trips. This is our fifteenth annual trip over to Europe. We do wine we are a bit. Obviously, a lot of the followers that we have are beavers. So I, I'm going to say we probably have at least 30, or of the 70 people that we have, I'd say we have 30, maybe more than that, maybe more like 40 beavers over here. That's a
0: good representation. And by the way,
5: we're we're listening to the games. The 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 the, uh, the uh, five o'clock games are on it. You know what? Uh, two o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> I, I listened to the game the other night at, at Oregon, so wow. and and some others did too. So we're we're following the Bees over here, even um, though it's a little bit, little difficult with the time change.
0: That is so great. I I know, and you know, you've done a lot of trips, but fifteen now to Europe. I mean, are they different each one? Or are they about the same? Do you go to the same places? And what are you hitting up on this particular one?
5: Well, they're, they're everyone's different um you know and i'm sorry if you can't hear me very well everybody's kind of crowding around the phone trying to hear you <laughs> but um this one we're we're starting and we started in rome and we're doing a trip to the boot of italy Apulia, and then a Malfi, and then we're getting on a on a cruise uh, called the royal clipper it's the largest five massive sail ship in the world and we're doing um, like a week-long cruise. And then afterwards, we're doing the Piedmont, Cinque Terre, and Tuscany afterwards. So the people who are doing the whole thing are going to be here a month. Mm-hmm. But some people are just doing the pre-trip. Some people are just doing the uh, pr- uh, cruise. Some people are doing post-trip. And some people are doing any combination of the above. But um, it's a pretty fun deal. And we we go to a different wine country every trip and this year that's that's what we're doing next year we're doing the rome uh, rome river cruise and a um, uh, burgundy uh, pre-trip and the, and the alps on the post trip
0: tom so, huggins joining us tom all of this be- evolved out of sports trips originally is that correct to go see the beavers somewhere yeah
5: yeah it all started with uh, beaver trips um, I used to work with Jim Barrett back in the day when he had away travel. And then when Jim passed away, I just kept doing the trips and, uh, you know, it's just evolved to this, but you know, we, we had two years ago, Mike, we had, we had the entire, uh, uh Royal Clipper ship, um, chartered 229 passengers and that's when COVID hit. And then we've had to cancel the last two years of that. So this year we're doing two, we have two half ship. Charters, so one now in May, and then one in, another one in September.
1: Hey Tom, this is John. With COVID opening everything, 29. opening back up again with your travel and what you do, are you going to be able to go on more Beaver trips this year? Now that things are reopening.
5: Yeah, yeah, we we did uh, we did surprise this year, and we did uh, some football games this year. Uh, we did the bowl game. Um, I'll be back and trying to. Well, we, we won't have any trips for uh, um, you know regional games because hopefully we'll be hosting regional games. <laughs> True. But, Yeah. I'll, I'll be going to Omaha hopefully. <laughs> Tom Huggins joining us along with a bunch of people here. There's there's probably here there's probably at least six people here that have done uh, have the Omaha trip before. So if, if we'll be we'll be. Uh, I mean, we'll be listening to the Oregon series this weekend. Uh, the ones, the, the ones on the weekend, you know, are ten o'clock here at night, so those will be easier. But the ones that are at at six, seven <laughs> o'clock at night, those are a little more challenging.
0: Well, I but may put
5: the phone under my pillow and just kind of lay there and listen to it.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that loyalty and devotion, Tom. I'll tell you what: Sunday afternoon, if we're, we'll give you, I'll give you a shout out because I know more of you will be listening. I'll get some details from Dominic, maybe even some names. If you could text or email some names of people, I'd love to give you guys a shout-out Sunday afternoon in that finale between the Beavers and Oregon at Goss Stadium of Coleman. Oh, yeah.
5: We'll we'll be listening to that one for sure. Where where will we be then? We'll be down in the boot of Italy then, down in uh, Apulia. Okay. I don't know if you know where that is, well, it's down in the bottom part of Italy. So. I think
0: I've seen it on a map. I've never been there. I'm really happy for you to get to make these kinds of trips, Tom. That's awesome. I, and thank you so really, much.
5: The really bad thing is missing all these beaver games.
0: <laughs> it's been a good year, Tom, but I, I'm hoping you'll be able to put together a group for a trip in uh, mid-Middle June. And we'll just leave it at that.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Hey, Mike, do we have do we have a do we have a, uh, a, a minute to give a shout out to the bees? Absolutely, yeah. I'd
0: love to hear from all of you. What okay, do you got for us? Hey,
5: everybody, on three, go bees! One, two, three, go Beavs! <laughs> Did
0: you get that, Mike? I, oh, I heard I heard an outlier. Did you get that? I yeah, I heard we heard it, but I also heard some. Uh, there's a heretic in your midst. Did you, <laughs> so now i'm losing you again okay. great to hear from <laughs> did you tom let you, you get the go we got the go beads we heard one other <laughs> yeah. thing too we yeah. didn't appreciate it all much. Right. <laughs> thanks tom great talking to you yeah he snuck
1: that in there yeah he's it sounds like they're having a great time we we went on our honeymoon two three years ago to to uh italy so i know exactly where they are and uh all oh, it is it's like going back in a time machine mm-hmm. because you're seeing things that
0: have been around been there for 2,000 years. 150 yards from the Coliseum. Yeah. I remember once using it in an open years ago. (laughs) From Gladiator, the Coliseum. (laughs) As the Beavers were getting ready to go there. And when he said 150 yards from the Coliseum, I was just seeing Chance Nolan. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's the Philistine that I am. Some marketing agent should put a field in there and put some seats (laughs) in there and have (laughs) a game. Uh, That is, that's a first. A Go beaves shout out from From Rome. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, Tom. Dave from Tumwater. Dave, I don't know if you've been to Italy. You probably have a well-traveled soul, but uh, that was kind of fun. Thanks for your patience, and welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
5: No problem, Mike. All of my ancestors are from there, but but I've never been there myself. No, I can't say. Mm. So first, uh, the bad weather. uh, We're going through a sunspot minimum. Uh, The most famous of these is called the Maunder Minimum which actually precipitated the Little Ice Age uh, back in the uh, 16th, 17th, 18th century. So uh, maybe that'll be a nice antidote to global warming. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Regarding GP2, so as it should happen, Mike, um, I uh, called Mad Dog Russo's show two days ago, complaining about how Draymond Green's antics have already cost the Warriors one title he got kicked out of that series against Cleveland in 2016 where they would have won back-to-back even before KD joined him which could have been four in a row truly historic so then he kind of triggers this whole thing it's going to be an interesting series I think the Warriors are going to uh, survive and it's going to be harder without GP2 but that dog got caught up in the controversy because he said yesterday on his on his uh, uh, first take or whatever it's called with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. I'm not suggesting I put the idea in his head whatsoever, but he said, "No, Dr- Draymond's a great player, but you know, basically, just play the game, shut up, behave, just play the <laughs> game." And that precipitated a whole torrent of criticism brought about by a guy by the name of J.D. Riddick. I've never heard of J.J. Reddick. Yes. Uh, Apparently he played for Duke, or he's a commentator. And Mad Dog devoted most of his show yesterday. I called in again telling him, because Reddick said, no one cares about Bob Cousy and Wilt Chamberlain and that whole era of basketball. This is the way the game's played today Not Players have an attitude. Basically, he was saying, Mad Dog has just got to get with the program. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mad Dog took great umbrage at yes. that. And uh, and uh, and I don't think you, I think, Mike, you would say, yeah, I think you agree with me, his, the history of the sport is what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyway, so I just wanted to chime in on that. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to miss being at the games Friday night and Saturday with the weather the way it is, at least. Sunday afternoon, we might get a solar break here and there, sunspots or no. But anyway, I just wanted to offer those few quick comments before you take your next break and get on with the show.
0: Dave, thank you. What you know, And just a final thing from your longtime eyes on the NBA, and, and it, you're saying you almost feel it's a repercussion from the physical play and Draymond Green indirectly affected what happened when Dylan Brooks rose up and hit Gary, uh, who had left his feet and knocks him, or it knocks him to the floor, GP2 fractures his elbow. It was hideous, really. I mean, it was awful. And everybody that's weighing in on almost everybody is saying so. What did you make of the play in the moment?
5: Well, I wasn't actually uh, watching okay. because I, I was listening to your call of okay. the duck game. I later saw the replay. But, I, yeah, but, I mean, from what I've seen since and read and uh, just common sense tells you, the, that play is going to cost him... Uh, that at least uh, uh, the lawyers it's going to cost them uh, services of G-B-2, GP2 the rest of this series, has to be a direct consequence of what Green did in Game 1. And my point, just to make it explicit, if it's not obvious, Draymond's already cost them a title because of <laughs> yeah. a similar Interesting. Different. A different yeah. I mean, the specifics are different, but right. his lack of control on the court has already cost them one title, and it's too early to say but every, every moving piece is important. And if, if Gary can't go the rest of this way, and if the Warriors don't survive, this could be the second, now, he is an all, he is a hall of fame player, Draymond Green. I love the way he mm-hmm. plays the game. It's the sideshows yeah. Yeah. that cause, cause problems. And, and as a Warrior fan, going back to the fall of 1959, when Wilt first came into the league, it would just be a tragedy for him to cost that franchise a second time.
0: Interesting. Dave, great to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Safe travels down here for the Sunday game. Good talking to you. Hope to see you again soon. We need to break when we come back. And if you have any texts or comments about all of that, feel free and we'll get to them as we roll today. Kenny Moore was a, a, a tremendous runner. I know him, knew him more as a writer. And even a, a, a screenwriter, he wrote the screenplay for Without Limits. Kenny Moore did. He did? He did, with Robert Town, who directed it. But Kenny was the primary scenarist on Without Limits. That's a very good movie. And, it's, and he also helped write Tequila Sunrise with Kurt Russell and uh, Mel Gibson, Michelle Pfeiffer. And that's not bad either. I kind of huh. like it, in fact. I didn't know Julia, I think, is in it? Maybe, nah, I don't know. He might be. But anyway. It's a movie in the late 80s that Kenny Moore was involved in. And he was with. a longtime Sports Illustrated writer? 25 years, writing a lot of articles, including The Lost Weekend. He wrote the game stories for UCLA's Lost Weekend. I never Kenny Moore. put two and two together. Ken Goh, who's written and covered track and field, joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio.
6: Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Horesco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at Horesco.com. For Rescue Chiropractic in Corvallis, we really can make a world of difference for you.
4: Stargazer premier florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, and they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer Premier's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the moms in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at stargazerpremierflores.com. Stargazer Premier florist 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis.
7: If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and go be leaves.
4: Mother's Day is this Sunday, and The Clothes Tree is fully stocked with lots of gift ideas for mom. Comfy sleepwear by Carol Hockman, Ugg, and Eileen West. Fun gifts by Pendleton, including mugs, towels, and blankets. Jewelry in a variety of prices, plus socks, slippers, and candles. And if in doubt, a Clothes Tree gift card works too. And they'll wrap your gift for free. The Clothes Tree has been a Mother's Day shopping tradition since 1963. Stop by between 2nd and 3rd on Madison, downtown Corvallis. Happy Mother's Mother's Day from
0: the closed street. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. A friend for many years uh, on and off uh, the air and uh, just around the fields and the courts. A good man, outstanding writer. 43 years he reflected upon uh, a while back. We had him on the show after, in theory, retiring. But
1: yeah, he's still, theory. he still
0: is working because... I uh, see him all the time. Yeah, and with the passing of a legend... In Kenny Moore, today's Oregonian Oregon Live features Ken Goh's work. I have the on, answer to your question. On the obituary of uh, Kenny Moore that Ken knew a little bit, interviewed a few times, had mm-hmm. conversations with, met him once, and certainly knows of his place in Oregon. Uh, track and field history, Olympic history, and a tremendous writer, Kenny Moore, was for 25 years for SI. The answer, John, and I asked, is he alone as the screenplay well, writer with Robert? With Town. Robert Town, but Without Limits, I think, is a very good movie, and mm-hmm. Kenny Moore wrote the screenplay. That's with Robert Town who directed it.
1: Speaking of can go and yeah. movies. We talked about a movie, and I saw Ken in this movie. Okay. Well, here we he, go. Being a reporter. What was it? It was about the girl runner, right, Ken?
5: Yeah,
8: it was. Uh, track Town.
0: Yeah. With, Is he, do you with, have lines uh, in it?
8: With Alexi Pappas. No, I'm, uh, I, I had a real stretch. My acting part, I play a reporter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit, Ken, I chuckled when I saw you. Not for anything <laughs> buffoonery, but just... just hey, there's, our, there's well, Ken. There, there's Ken, and I, it was a chuckle smile.
0: Hey, on that right. note, yeah, Ken, we, next time. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. I saw the news about Kenny Moore. I, I could tell that in asking you, it's not as though you guys were were close friends, per se, but you've interviewed him a couple of times, you've met him, and I, my sense is, Ken, you understand, as well as anyone in our state, just in terms of how much you've covered the sport, what a giant this man was. What are your thoughts about Kenny Moore?
8: Yeah, you know, that's true. Uh, uh, I grew up in Colorado. I did not grow up a track fan. Um, my first exposure to Kenny Moore was through Sports Illustrated. And um, he could write um, like a novelist. He he brought a literary flair to to what he wrote that made it engrossing. I, I sort of compare him to Roger Kahn baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he He could take you to a different level of the sport and do it so eloquently and well. It was only after I got here and started covering track I started to learn about um, you know what he was as an athlete and uh he was just as an accomplished as an athlete as he was as a writer and for me you know i I struggled to do one thing well, it's amazing to me that someone like him can can do two things at that level. It was just amazing
0: you know you mentioned the writing uh and how it, it It uh, was part, flowed out of his great career as an athlete in terms of what he wrote about so eloquently. There is a story, and I looked this up upon learning of the sad news of his passing at the age of 78. The thing that I'm glad on this particular story that I found in the SI vault and the archives, when Bill Bowerman passed, it was Kenny Moore for SI that wrote the obituary and tribute to to the late, great Bill Bowerman. But he said that it was against Oregon State, (laughs) In a two-mile event, I don't know if you know much about this story where Kenny Moore kind of found himself thanks to Bowerman. Kenny wrote this, Three weeks later, he, Bowerman, entered me in the two-mile against Oregon State, watched me warm up, and said to begin no faster than a nine-minute pace and not to chase Oregon State's Dale Story, the NCAA cross-country champion who ran barefoot and was 30 seconds better. And, and so Moore then goes on to describe how the race played out, the strategy that Bowerman gave him, and how he passed Story on the final turn and won and was launched onto what became an Olympic caliber career. The sense of indebtedness that Moore had to Bill Bowerman in his life, the two are really joined together, aren't they, Ken?
8: Yeah, I think so. And that, that really comes across in his biography of Bowerman, Bowerman in the Mid of Oregon, which is just superbly well written in research. He had access to a lot of Bill Bowerman's papers. Um, uh, but he also knew the man, and um, you know that Bowerman had such an impact on, you know, generations of of men who compete, he didn't coach women. It was before women were really a thing in the NCAA level, but uh, uh, he coached generations of of men, and he had such an impact on their lives. And you, you can talk to almost anyone who competed for him and, and hear the same thing. I um, mean, you know, uh, you could talk to Phil Knight. If, you ever get the chance, and uh, he would say the same thing. You know, Bowerman had that kind of influence on on the people that competed for him.
1: Ken, was more the, if going back to 64 and 65, those national championships, I don't ever hear of great athletes from that, that decade. Would he be considered kind of the first big name to come out of Oregon running because you go back to the mid-60s, or is there a bigger name out of that era? Al Order? I don't know. Kyle no, some- Orson? I-
8: you know, Otis Davis was, you know, huge. He won an Olympic gold medal, and Bill Dellinger was an Olympic medalist as well. And they they were before Moore's time. And Moore grew up watching those people compete, and that that sort of set him on the the path to where he became a track athlete. You know, there's a number of, of really great track athletes that Bowerman
1: had in the fifties. So. He writes. He co-writes with Robert Town. Without Limits, an exceptional movie. And there's so much about the intricacies of Bill Bowerman, his war, uh, you know, being from World War II and the, the type of coach he was, and his uh, just the way he treated the the uh, the athletes. I, you may not know this, but one has to believe that that Moore was the writer who was shaping anything about Bill Bowerman. If Robert Town was writing the rest of it, right? It, it had to have been. More taking on that part of the film.
8: Yeah, it's my understanding that it's basically more screenplay, and Town made some changes.
1: Oh, okay. Ken maybe Go,
8: maybe maybe because Town had, and I'm just speculating here, but the, he had a more cinematic I, mm-hmm. you know, idea of uh, what would come across in a movie, and, and more was more literary.
0: Ken Go joining us. Ken, when you did mention you, you have met him, you've talked to him, interviewed him a couple of times. What were the context? What were the reasons that you? reached out to Kenny in your work at the Oregonian?
8: The first one was for a a piece on, I believe it was the 25th anniversary of Steve Prefontaine's death. He was was a great interview talking about the uh, symbiotic relationship that Prefontaine had with the Hayward Field crowd and um, how much um, uh, they uh, relied on each other, how um, the crowd would draw energy from, the way Prefontaine was attacking the race and Prefontaine would draw energy from the way that the crowd was roaring. And, um, you know, it, 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 he talked about, you know, he wasn't, Prefontaine wasn't a, uh, uh, prep school guy, right. He wasn't, um, uh, a, a track athlete that, that, uh, came up and, and ran in a lot of clubs and his parents paid a lot of money for fancy coaching. He was a blue collar, uh, tack, uh, the race sort of guy. Uh, and a lot of the, the people that became track fans, uh, that's the kind of people they were too. At least that was Morse's hypothesis and, and he should know he lived it. So, mm-hmm. um, that was the first, uh, the second one, uh, was actually relatively recently when, um, when the uh, people were, uh, arguing about uh, what shape the new Hayward field should take. And, uh, Moore was uh, pretty strongly in favor of keeping some elements of the original design in the in the new design, um, and he, he again spoke pretty eloquently about um, why he thought uh, the heritage should be preserved in the architecture. Um, but he didn't win that one.
0: No, he didn't. Ken, what did, I know that you know you're a writer and reporting on the stories. Where, if you can, share with us where did you come out on that and the the, the divided views? On what the new Hayward should look like, and how do you think about how it looks?
8: Yeah, you know that's a tough one. Uh, uh, I don't. It's hard to quibble with what's there. It's so dramatic, and and the the spectator experience is so improved from the previous one. Um, I guess the way I would come down is I wish it had been a more inclusive planning process. You know, and at some point I think uh, Phil Knighty was putting up most of the money. Just got tired of uh, everybody arguing and said, okay, um, we're going to do it my way. And I'm going to, uh, uh, have, uh, architects go around Europe and look at all the, the best design tracks. And we're going to take the best ideas from each one. And, and that's what we're going to have. Um, that's what they did. And in the process, you, you know, he, he got the stadium done and he delivered a beautiful stadium. Um, he, there were some hard feelings over the fact that the, the original design that that people grew up with and and had, you know, so were so emotionally tied to wasn't kept, but, you know, I think that's died down now. I I think once people see the stadium and and get a chance to watch and meet there, I I think they, they like the new one pretty well. You know, it's so, it's so much better for spectators. There's more leg room. There's padded seats. There's backs on the seats. Um, There's concessions now that, you know, that aren't, the previous Hayward Field, the concession stand was just a shack. that wasn't really even part of the stadium, and there were almost no offerings there, hot dogs and popcorn. Um, they got, they're got world-class concessions now and, and bathrooms. I don't, I don't know if, if any of your listeners attended meets there, but if it was a big meet, uh, the line to the woman's bathroom was, you know, more than a 100-meter race. And <laughs> wow. They just weren't adequate. And and those things are, have been addressed, and, it, you know, it, it's it's so much better in all those ways.
0: Yeah, I got you. Somewhat analogous, I suppose, in an even grander way to moving from Mack Court to Matthew Knight Arena. <laughs> yeah. Right, Cam? I mean, there's no, some no, comparison no, yeah. there, some analogy involved. You you do lose some of that, the history and, and the smell of the popcorn in the stands and all of that, but other smells, too, and so on, that you leave when you go out of Mack Court <laughs> into Matthew Knight. But there are some similar storylines, I would think, about about what the new building looks like compared to the old.
8: Yeah, you know, and it remains to be seen uh, what, because uh, cause last year was the first year they, they had meets there, mm-hmm. and um, the crowd sizes were smaller because of COVID, so we really don't know what the
5: in-stadium
8: mm-hmm. uh, crowd experience is going to be. That In the previous Hayward, it it was as Moore said when Prefontaine ran, uh, those people changed performances right. Um, right. through the way they cheered, and they were knowledgeable track fans, and they knew when to cheer and when not to cheer, and, and they you know the Oregon athletes, University of Oregon athletes would call it Hayward Magic, the way the fans could pull them to better performances. It remains to be seen whether this stadium can do that, but I think um, outside of that, uh, it's such a much better uh, spectator experience. I, th- I think people will really like it. And, and you know that the new Matthew Knight, as nice as it is, I don't think it's got that same uh, crowd experience that, that Matt court had. I mean, mm-hmm. When that place was hopping and the scoreboard was swaying and stuff, that was an amazing experience. And I covered games where the opposing team was intimidating. Oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, and speaking of that, let me ask you. John's got something. We'll let you go, Ken, on the famous, infamous, depending on your point of view, cover story in '74 for SI. Yeah. Uh, UCLA's lost weekend, ambushed on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> that Kenny Moore was the writer for that particular weekend, so he's forever part of that because I guess, but I don't know if you know this story from a journalistic standpoint much or not, Bud Withers wrote about it in his recent book uh, about mad hoops in the Dick Harder era, but that Ralph and the Beavers beat UCLA to snap their 50-game Pac-8 winning streak on a Friday night, 61-57, to and SI started scrambling <laughs> to get... The Saturday game covered just in case something big happened again, and Kenny yeah. happened to be there. Do you know much about sort of how that how that works sometimes in the in the newspaper journalism world, where you got to scramble at the last minute to get throw something together?
8: Oh, sure, and um, you know, more lived in Eugene, so that was natural. I mean, he, he was they could call him and didn't have to fly him in from New York or something. Right. So, uh, you know, that made sense. And I did read that story in Bud's book. I hadn't known about it before then. I I remember UCLA teams. UCLA is a prime example. They, they would just come into Matt Court scared to death of of the fans, and I, I don't know in the back of their minds if they thought you know these were people from Deliverance or what. But they, they would, they were, you know, it was probably worth ten points to Oregon uh, in some of those years. I covered uh, the Ducks basketball.
1: Uh, real quick, I just was curious if maybe we could have you back sometime about Dale's story. I think that's the one athlete we have not talked about in the 20 years on this show.
0: He's actually been on the show once. We did, did we have him, him on when the Beavers won the national championship in baseball in 06 because it was the second national right. title at From Oregon State. Country. We had Dale represent the cross-country team. So we okay. have talked to him. Ken, have you ever talked to Dale's story?
8: I have not. You know, And, and again, that uh, when he and, and Kenny Moore were competing against each other, I was living in Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, – it wasn't really a track thing. I didn't run track, and I didn't care much about it uh, until I started covering it. And then, then it's like the whole world opened up for me. I, You know, it's, it's a beautiful sport to watch, and the athletes are so warm and accessible that, that I just fell in love with it. But you know, before uh, say the early nineteen nineties, I don't really know much.
0: You know, and and I, then some people would say I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of it. I get that. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that, Ken. I was in the John Conrad press box on uh, Tuesday watching the Beavers uh, defeat Oregon, by the way, two to nothing, a big series coming up this weekend. But it, every time I go there, I marvel over uh, how well done and tastefully done the the John Conrad press box is. You contributed to that, uh, Blaine Budd, Ron Bellamy, uh, the late Brian Lanker, uh, many others comp- uh, c- comp- uh, c- contributed to the press box that I think has really done well in his honourable, when I think about John, I think about you, Bob Clark, John Conrad, yours truly, and others going for a run along Santa Monica uh, in the beach back in 1993, 94 thereabouts. I think about that in light of the effect that Bowerman had on the world jogging. I mean, didn't Bill essentially invent that? And why you and I and Conrad and Clark would go for a run in Santa Monica? I don't think
8: he invented it, but I think he popularized it in the United States. The story is he went over to New Zealand and um saw people doing it there and he said, you know, this this is good. This this doesn't take you don't have to belong to a fancy club, you don't need a lot of equipment. You know, if you if you have a pair of shoes you can go out and run and, and he brought that back and popularized it. And then of course his you know, to take it farther, uh his his shoe designs uh was what started Nike and of course that you can show just see the 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 impact that Nike's had
0: on the sport of running, and Ken, let's close then with a thought on Kenny himself and Kenny Moore passing away at the age of seventy-eight in Hawaii. Uh, a really big life, uh, an incredible life, and in so many, as you touched on, artistic and skilled in so many ways. His book itself, I have not read, but do you give it high marks? As somebody who's read and written a lot about track and field, the biography of his mentor and coach, Bill Bowerman. How good, I mean, in your view, uh, how good of a book is that?
8: Yeah, you know, if, if you're going to follow sports in Oregon, I think it's it's worth your time to read it, because it's not, it, it's about Bowerman, but it's really, uh, it's sort of about uh, both an era, and and it in that era, it goes so much to explain about what's there now, and, and that includes Nike, and, and uh, the relationships of families, which I hadn't appreciated um, before I read it, but um, the Fronmeyers, the Jake was, the Bowermans were were all intertwined, and and um, you know they they became some of the biggest movers and shakers in the state, not just for sports, but in in all ways. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, Dave Fronmeyer was
0: the governor. Yeah. Hey Ken, and his,
8: yep. his father and, and Bowerman were close friends.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know dating that. Dating
8: back to when they they lived in Medford.
0: Hmm. Right. Okay. That's interesting in its own right. Ken, how retired are you?
8: (laughs) Well, yeah, my wife asked me that question, too. Um, uh, My deal with uh, Oregonian is uh, I'm available if they need help with the track coverage, and and they're going to need help um, this spring and summer because in rapid-fire order uh, at Hayward Field are the Pac-12 championships, the Prefontaine Classic, which is uh, arguably the best – Uh, non-championship meet in the world, Um, the NCAA championships, the U.S. championships, and the world championships. So uh, I'll be at all those. In the last fall, they they wanted me to do columns on um, some local football games, which is something I enjoy doing and and will do again if they want me to.
0: Okay, Well, good. I'm glad to hear that, Ken. Uh, Glad that we'll be seeing you around and getting to read your work. Thanks for taking time for us today to reflect a bit on uh, the Big Impact of the Life of Kenny Moore. I appreciate it, uh, Ken, for taking time. Thanks for joining us. I always enjoy you guys. Thanks, Thanks Take Ken. Care of Ken, Ken Go of the Oregonian. Longtime sports writer. 45 years now and still at it. I am a big fan of Ken now, I like Goh. Ken a lot. Now, Without Limits, and he, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a good, good, good movie. movie. And I just
1: like track and field, so I loved
0: it. And I was, I was fascinated how... Donald Sutherland played Bill Bowerman. You know, I know, again, in our world, just as, you know, everything, it seems, and Connor Latorno will join us at 1205. I said years ago, and it's still true, anytime everything we talk about ends up coming down to kind of a beaver duck kind of thing. Right. Right. And so here we are. Wow. I can't like Without Limits too much because it's about, well, I know. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, I know. To me,
1: that's ridiculous.
0: I. I know, but there are some... You understand. I know there, there, I know. there would be some who would say, well, it's pretty good, but... <laughs> I know. That's how bitter it is, though. It's so deeply entrenched. Who hurt you? And so I even entrenched. at 12.05, it all comes down to... Dylan Brooks taking down GP2. Well, the, how ironic yeah. is that? I know.
1: A, a former duck takes down yeah. a former beaver. No, and a former and beaver... It's the talk of the NBA.
0: The former beaver who has... Yeah, As Steve Kerr said, yeah, I just thought Kerr did. was so eloquent. This is a guy who has worked so hard and paid so many dues to get to the moment. And now the moment's here, and he get, it gets cruelly taken away from him on, quote, a dirty play, unquote, and yeah. take the quotes out of it. Flat out dirty, yay. Nah. If you have any thoughts on it, feel free at 497 And does without limits take your own, our own, can you take your own, uh, ill will and enmity about the other guy and the other program in the school down the road out does it work for you as a motion picture is it a good film with good performances i thought sutherland as bowerman was good and the scenes in munich are well crafted and well written and kenny moore wrote most of those words
1: yeah no it was uh, uh because it was a phenomenon and you know our own tom huggins a great yeah. beaver was friends with steve Prefonte and ran and with him. ran with him and uh it's a great storyline it really is and and to think i I was shocked when ken just said how much they have down i don't go down there but how much they have They've got the biggest you hear all of those events coming up it's incredible
0: let's break we'll come back any thoughts on any of that we've got one more quick break to take to wrap wrap up the hour connor latorno former beaver beat writer now covering the Warriors for the San Francisco Chronicle and Mitchell Verberg next hour, 1240 Joe Radio.
4: Mother's Day is this Sunday and the clothes Tree is fully stocked with lots of gift ideas for mom. Comfy sleepwear by Carol Hawkman, Ugg and Eileen West. Fun gifts by Pendleton including mugs, towels and blankets. Jewelry in a variety of prices plus socks, slippers and candles and if in doubt, a Closed Tree gift card works too. And they'll wrap your gift for free. The tree has been a mother's day shopping tradition since 1963 stop by between second and third on madison downtown corvallis happy mother's day from the closed tree
7: Hi, this is Mike at Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18-karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of course Rolex and Omega wristwatches.
9: Anderson Jewelers is licensed by the state of Oregon and certified by the city of Corvallis to buy old gold, silver, and watches for nearly 25 years. Anderson Jewelers, 5th and Madison, downtown Corvallis. Level
4: up your quesadilla game
9: at Qdoba
4: with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at
1: Qdoba.com or in the app. 20 seconds, Michael.
0: On the starting line, Kenny Moore wrote, I saw that Dale Story's uniform looked heavy, almost like wool, and something hit me of the patient care with which Bowerman had prepared me as I stripped down to my flimsy Bowerman-designed racing shirt and shorts, and because of the better gear, overcame Story, according to Kenny. All
10: set, please. Here's the microphone. This This
3: is
0: K-E-J-O
10: Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on at 5. And Q-I-D.
3: 1240, Joe. Radio.
10: I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. It's shaping up to be the biggest decline of the year for U.S. stocks. The sell-off tied to concerns the Federal Reserve's plan to aggressively tighten monetary policy won't do enough to prevent a recession. The indexes show the Dow Industrial's down 1,160 points, the S&P down 162, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq has skidded 675, or five and a quarter percent First-time claims for jobless benefits rose last week. That hasn't happened too often lately. New claims increased by 19,000 to 200,000, a two-month high, but still at a level consistent with tightening labor market conditions. Mortgage rates have just hit a 13-year high. Freddie Mac says the average rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage has jumped 17 basis points from a week ago to 5.27%. Passengers on a Carnival cruise ship that docked in Seattle Tuesday say more than 100 people aboard the ship tested positive for COVID. And the ship was overwhelmed. Multiple reports say they are quarantined at area hotels. That's your Money Now. you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful, swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon.
7: Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800 633 911
9: If you're an experienced modeler or maybe you're just starting out, Trump's Hobbies is there to help. Trump's carries the latest in RC cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, model trains, fantasy games, paints, parts, and supplies. Trump's is an old-fashioned hobby shop that's been around answering questions and fixing problems since 1972. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life.
11: For auto glass solutions, better call the glass
10: man call 541-760-2277 call the glass man hi this is jake the Glassman. if you need your windshield repaired or replaced you don't need to call that 800 number give me a call
11: for auto
10: glass solutions better
11: call the glass man call 541-760-2277 call the glass man Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another Golf Minute with a great alternative when chipping. The new hybrid clubs are very useful. You've probably seen the tour pros use them to chip from just off the green. You can do the same thing if you don't have a hybrid by using your three wood. Use it when your ball is sitting up in light greenside rough close to the green. Here's what you need to do. Take your three wood and grip down almost to the shaft. The ball should be just forward of center push your hands just slightly ahead of the ball, and this is critical, make a smooth level motion, just like you would for a long lag putt. The ball will jump off the top of the grass and roll onto the putting surface with no problem. With a little practice using your three wood, you'll find that the wide club face makes solid contact easy. So remember, use your imagination around the greens. Sometimes your fairway wood can come in very handy. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers.
10: yes it's ready
7: the joe beaver show is on the air
10: are you ready just like donald trump motto man i hope you're ready brother are you ready yes i'm ready woodrow
7: you ready I was born ready
11: ready no i'm ready Lee, ready Always ready, John. John and Mike are ready with all manner of meaningful dialogue. Email, bits and bytes, tweets and texts. Oh, I see. You take care of both sides of the conversation. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world,
10: ladies and
3: gentlemen, it's the Joe Beaver Show! There has never been anything like this. You. your greatest creation. Genius, work of genius. And there they go!
0: We head into the second hour. Mitchell Verberg will join us a little bit later. In fact, around 12.30 from Mitch. What a tremendous story. He's been persevering. He's been awesome. And in his sixth year and the two surgeries and missing a whole year with a back injury, Mitchell is starting to look like the guy that uh, flashed so much great promise in the 2017 Beaver baseball season. Dominant in 2019 and returning to that kind of form. Mm -hmm. A great story. And he'll join us at 12.30. And one of the more inspiring stories here of late, and for all of us in Beaver Nation, so excited and proud to see what GP2 has been doing, a transcendent athlete here. Those two years he made plays that none of us will ever forget. And a dunk, as I've talked about many times, a dunk in Kansas City in the NCAA tournament year, his second year, against the Jayhawks that I still have on my DVR. And I just go back and watch it every once in a while for the sheer pleasure of seeing that incredible athletic play. But he has, through sheer hard work, augmented that incredible athleticism with just a well-rounded game that has led him to become a guy that our next guest, Connor Latorno, who covers Bay Area sports as now the sports enterprise reporter. We'll have to have uh, Connor tell us exactly what that means. But he covered Gary... In Gary's first year at Oregon State with Wayne Tinkle. But headlines are the effect of how can the Warriors adjust without GP2? How can they win the series going forward without him? How can they deal with John Morant without GP2? A guy that has risen through sheer hard work to an important role with one of the great franchises in the NBA. That in itself is a tremendous story. And Connor Latorno, who has covered Gary both collegiately and now in the NBA with the Warriors, joins us from the San Francisco Chronicle. Connor. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking time. How are you today?
5: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Connor, you have a a perspective on Gary, as I just alluded to. Tell me a little bit about it and what you saw when you covered him here. And as you sort of, I'm sure, because of that, had some sort of, hey, well, you know, is this guy ever going to make it in the league? And if so, can he stick? What are your thoughts about the career trajectory for, for GP2?
5: Yeah, so I covered Oregon State for the Oregonian for two years, and my second year uh, was GP2's first year, which, as you remember, was uh, also Wayne Tinkle's first yeah. year. And that that season, um, that team was supposed to be awful. You know, I think their, their leading returning scorer from a middling Pac-12 team was Langston Morris Walker, who had averaged four points per game the previous year. And so they were supposed to be completely atrocious. And they ended up being decent in large part because Gary Payton the second was far better than anyone could have imagined and so you know I definitely followed him you know through the rest of his time at Oregon State and then through you know the first five plus years of his NBA career when he was bouncing between the G League and the NBA and I always felt like he was an NBA level player um he was an elite defender and I thought that alone should be enough to him to find a role in the NBA, but the thing with Gary is he's a really, un- really unique player. Um, you know, he's a guy who, even though he's a point guard, can I mean, he started a couple games of the season for the Warriors at at the four. I mean, he he plays much bigger than his dimensions. He can guard all five positions. He's an elite rebounder for his position. Uh, really good ball hawk. Um, incredible athlete, but you know, just historically, he hasn't been a great shooter, and I think. A lot of teams had a hard time getting over that. You know, you need to be at least a really solid shooter and then be at the guard position to stick. And he just, you know, was a 29% three point shooter. And I think teams couldn't get over that. My thing was this guy is so good at so many other things, though, that he should still be able to find a role somewhere. And luckily, Golden State saw how good he was and how unique his skill set was. And they put him in a position to succeed. And I mean, he evolved into a really essential role guy for them this season to the point where he was starting in the playoffs and he was playing crunch time minutes in high stakes, close playoff games. I mean, there's no bigger vote of confidence than that. And in this series before he he got injured with that, that awful, awful play by uh, by Dylan Brooks, he was by far the Warriors' best answer. On John Morant, which is why he started this series uh, in the starting lineup. Um, so this is a huge, huge loss for them right
0: now. Yeah, Connor. There's so many things uh, that you just touched on. Your history with the pro- here at Oregon State covering that team that really was. I remember using the phrase. I was surprised by joy throughout that year. They won their first 14 games at Gill, as you recall. No team had ever done that in the history of Beaver basketball. And GP two was a huge. Part of it. Do you have any particular memory? The following year, you were gone to cover Cal, but but do you have any particular memories of GP two at Oregon State? Either a play or even your interactions with him and the stories you would do on him.
5: Uh, I have I have a lot of good memories of, of GP two, and it's been cool, you know, covering him now. Now that he's on the Warriors, you know, like he, he definitely he definitely remembers me covering him at Oregon mm-hmm. State, and there's kind of a connection there, and. You know the thing about GP two is he's he's such a good person. He's uh, he's actually a finalist for the Community Assist Award or, uh, in the NBA this year. He works uh, really closely with uh, kids with dyslexia uh, because he has dyslexia and struggled academically uh, because of it. Had to go the JUCO route even though he had some D one offers out of high school just because he he had a learning disability. And uh, you know so he's he's really. Uh, been hands-on with that, and in terms of my time with him at Oregon State, actually, the first memory that comes to mind is the one that doesn't directly involve him. Um, I remember talking to Craig Robinson, uh, you know, the coach who recruited him, and he uh, and he kind of told me after signing that, "Hey, you know, uh, he, he's a, he's a fine player. He, he's gonna, he's like a glue guy, you know, like best case scenario, he'll be like a role player for us." <laughs> you know, four year guy, you know, two year yeah. guy who'll be a, a role, a role player for us. You know, it definitely helps that he's, his dad is Gary Payton. I kind of got, I got the sense that they kind of recruited him just because he was Gary Payton's son. And then, you know, he ends up being their best player his first year there uh, and a two time uh, patchwork player of the year. So I don't even think the staff that recruited him had an awareness of how good he was. Um, and uh, you know GP two, I actually one good memory of him was, I when I was at the Oregonian, I did this uh, camp in the summers where um, we would bring kids to Oregon State who were kind of at at risk, kind of from impoverished communities, who were interested in journalism, and they would stay in the dorms for a week, and we would take them through like a journalism boot camp, and uh, I kind of ran the sports side of it, and. Um, we, we actually, I had them, I had two of my students profile Gary Payton the second and he took time out of his summer routine to come spend like a couple hours with, uh, my students and do an in-depth interview with them and, and like spend some time with them, which, uh, you know, meant a lot to me, you know, this is a guy who I think at that time was preparing for the draft and, uh, he, he took time out of his day to, You know, me with
1: some high schoolers. Connor Letourneau, our guest. Connor, I specifically remember an announcement uh, press conference when Craig was saying those things. He may have said them to you off to the side as well, but I remember him talking about that, thinking yeah, okay, okay. And he, he didn't have huge numbers coming out of J.C. There was no expectation that he would be the player that he was, other than that he was Gary Payton's son. And then all of us were taken by surprise, so I certainly remember that. I know you're not on the beat anymore, but is Gary Payton Senior, is is he, is, is Gary Payton at all the games and his biggest supporter?
5: Oh, definitely. I mean, his his dad is coaching at Lincoln University, which is a small school in Oakland um, that just got an athletic department, and he's the head basketball coach, so he's kind of, you know, the first coach they've ever had there. and uh, So it's really nice because he's in the area, lives locally, and he's able to make it pretty often to, to games and I actually went up to him after game five of the first round. If you remember GP two had a really big game off the bench, had fifteen points, played really good defense, hit some really big shots late in that game. Um and I went up to I was doing a, a piece on GP two that night and I went up to Gary, his dad and, you know, he he told me he's like I was screaming the whole game to like, you know, shoot because he was wide open the whole game and then finally he started shooting at the end you know you know how uh gary senior is he's very hard even on his own son mm-hmm. but uh but it's all love and it's been cool you know seeing their dynamic uh, i know they weren't always close when gp2 was come was growing up but uh, i think they've definitely gotten a lot closer in recent years
1: so you may have touched on this a bit at the outset of this interview but has he done enough because whatever it was that kept him up and down from G league to NBA from 10 day contracts up and down this year with the Warriors, has he done enough to stick and be a player even if they don't keep him or was he shining because he fit into a role within the Warriors?
5: Yeah. I mean, he definitely is in a really good situation with the Warriors in the sense that the Warriors have a lot of shooting around him. You know, it helps when you're on the floor with guys like Steph and, and Clay and and I think the Warriors' coaches have a really good understanding of how to utilize him. They actually had him defending the dunker spot at times this season, and um, you know they they put him in a position to showcase his unique skills. You know, this is a guy who's six three with a huge wingspan, really strong upper body, who can guard literally anyone. I mean, he blocked Nikola Jokic twice in the first round. Um, I think if he played more minutes this season, he would have been a, a no brainer as an all-defensive team guy. I mean, he's that level of defender. Um, I wrote in my big series previewing, series preview entering the Western Conference semifinals, that he was going to be the X-Factor of the series because he statistically is the best defender in the NBA on John Morant. I mean, John Morant shot 17% from the field this season when guarded by GP2, and GP2 guarded him the second most of anyone in the NBA this season. That's absolutely ridiculous yeah. when you consider that John Morant is an MVP candidate, an um, average averages 28 points per game. Um, and so to answer your question, I actually taught, I did a story after his big game uh, in the first round where I looked at his future with the Warriors. And I talked to a salary cap expert and things like that. And what he told me was that, um, you know, GPT is going to be an unrestricted creator this summer. And he said that, GP2 is going to command a contract in the five to 10 million range. Um, and that NBA front offices all view him as a plug and play guy in the NBA. He will be a rotation player on any team in the NBA. Um, he could be a starter on certain teams that, you know, don't necessarily need a ton of shooting from the point guard spot. Um, he is 100% a top eight rotation player on any team team in the NBA. Wow. Um, and, uh, what he also told me was that if he kept, kept it up and continued to play the way he was playing in the playoffs, then he could be out of the Warriors price range because the Warriors have his early bird rights, which means that they can only sign him for up to like 10.3 mil this summer. And he was telling me if he keeps playing like this, he could, too, might be getting 11, 12 mil yeah. somewhere. And he hasn't made a ton of money in his career. So he might need to go take the money, but you know, I guess you hate to say there's a silver lining in a situation like this, but from the Warriors perspective, the fact that GP two is probably gonna miss the rest of the playoffs um definitely hurts his burden potential. And so the odds of him coming back to the Warriors next season are have definitely increased because of this.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that, Connor, and it, and I was that's kind of in closing where I wanted to kind of move to the the injury itself the play itself what you know Steve Kerr the thing I appreciated about what Steve had to say I agreed with him about the the dirty aspect of it and there's a code and a line was crossed but Kerr took it to another level in talking about gp2 and how hard he's worked to be in the place that he's in so Steve I could tell this is a an injury connor that if it has a silver lining only in that he thus might resign because of it and stay within the warriors market that's aside. That's a, that's you know who knows how that's going to play out. But it sounds like this is an injury that's affected Steve and the team dramatically because of how much they've appreciated how hard he's worked to get where he is.
5: It was also such a dirty play. I mean, yeah. damn. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that was so bad. Uh, I was in the arena and when they when they had the the replay, it was just I mean, egregious, mm-hmm. uh, completely egregious. And, um, you know, he got suspended for game three. I feel like he should be
0: suspended
5: longer, personally. Um,
0: Well, he has been, hasn't he? It was just clear.
5: Three games. Like that there was malice intent there. He was trying to hurt him.
0: Yeah. Three Um, games, right? Is that official, Connor?
5: you You don't touch a guy who's airborne like that.
0: Has he gotten three games officially? Is that the news that's come down? Do you know that? What I thought
5: was that he's just suspended for game
0: three. Suspended for game three. So the word that we had read or heard for three games was misinterpreted. So it's just one game he's getting. One game game for that. Yeah. Now, compare that to Draymond. I mean, to me, that, again, is a problem here, Connor, right? I mean, what Draymond Green, as egregious as that may have been, doesn't compare with what happened and that the penalty is the same for Dylan as it was for Draymond. It doesn't make sense to me.
5: Well, Draymond wasn't suspended again. Oh, he
0: was just kicked out. Twenty-five grand. He was just grand. Rejected. He wasn't yeah, suspended for right. another
5: game. But um, you know, I feel like some people have said that Brooks should be suspended as long as Gary's out. Um, that's not really how this stuff works, and and I, I think that he should have been suspended at least multiple games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that was the type of play that could have had disastrous consequences for. GP two's future. I mean, he could have gotten a, a really sure. serious career-threatening injury from that, and he and he is going to, you know, be hurt by this from a financial perspective. You know, he he probably lost millions of dollars because of that. Yeah. Um, You know, he he's not going to command the offers and free agency that he would have if he could have played. And obviously, it's going to really hurt the Warriors going forward. I mean, the Warriors also don't have Andre Iguodala right now, is dealing with a neck injury. They have very limited options on jaw. And you saw what jaw did after Mm -hmm. GP2 went out uh, in game two. He went off. I mean, he was absolutely unstoppable, Um, had the the best postseason game of his career. And even though Andrew Wiggins is decent on jaw compared to other people, he's no GP2. No. Uh, GP2 is just so much quicker laterally. He's one of the only guys in the NBA who can stay in front of jaw. And I honestly think that. This injury to GP2 could end up being the reason why the Warriors lose the series if they do lose the series. It's that big. It's
0: just huge. Wow. It is huge. If somehow they can survive without GP2, what an amazing storyline that we're talking in these terms, but you've you've outlined it. It's true. It's documented. His the, the work that he does against Ja, if that ends up being the swing factor and the decisive factor and the Warriors don't, you know, and this is it for them, We'll see how they run it back and whether GP2 is part of it next year. Hope for a full recovery. But if they get through somehow are able to beat Memphis without them, what do the other matchups look like? Are they, are they still equipped enough to maybe make a run at the title without GP2? And could GP2 play in the finals? Possibly.
5: Yeah, so the Warriors officially announced today that they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks. Okay. Um, but my sourcing tells me that he's out of um, an injury like this. The, the timeline is usually at least a month. Okay. So best case scenario, he would be back, uh, by the finals, potentially if they're in the finals. Um, uh, but you know, there's no guarantees at that point. He's, he's been out for yeah. four weeks. Needs to get his win back and all those type, types of things. I think the odds are he won't play mm-hmm. in the postseason again, um, which is really unfortunate. And I really do think it significantly hurts the Warriors' chances of winning a title. I think, I think they, I think they have a shot, um, especially just given how the Suns have looked and how the Grizzlies have looked in these playoffs. Um, I don't, I don't think there's an elite team in the NBA right now, so I think the Warriors have a chance. But I mean, I, I, I think that Draymond. I mean, outside of Draymond Green, G P two is the Warriors' best defender, and the playoffs are all about defense. I mean, that's cliche, but it's true and um, this is big. This is really big.
0: Connor, last thing, and that is you, sports enterprise reporter. What exactly does that mean as compared to after having been on the beat the previous five years or so? What does it mean that you're an enterprise reporter now for the San Francisco Chronicle?
5: Yeah, so it just means that I do bigger stories on all various sports topics, you know, stuff mainly for, like, the front page of the paper. Any time there's something big that needs to be done. I kind of swoop in on the beat and spend some time on it and write, you know, a nice like 2000 word story. Um, so I'm not writing as much, but everything I'm writing is bigger. Mm. Um, but when it comes to playoff time and things like that, I'm pretty much dialed in on warriors on a daily basis. Cause I, I know that team really well i have sourcing on the beat. So I've been helping out our, uh, our beat writer, TJ Holmes, um, on a daily basis and traveling with the team. So, it's nice, you know, I'm able to kind of keep things interesting, write about a bunch of different things, write write the types of stories that I love doing, but also keep my, you know, toe dipped in uh, in the Warriors a bit, you know, because I, I know them yes. as well as I do.
0: Well, and we appreciate you just for having not only the Warriors, but our own GP, too, and your, <laughs> your paths crossing at Oregon State. I'm glad for our sake and for both you. I mean, I'm glad that Gary, when he saw you, it, he, clearly, what a great young man he is. He remembered you in the Corvallis days, I'm sure, and that was genuine. So I'm glad you revisited those times, and I, I appreciate Connor. you taking time for us here in the mid valley. Thanks for joining the show.
5: Of course, of course. Just for the record, I still uh, I still follow the Beavers really closely. I I, ho- I wish Wayne Tinkle the best. I hope they can uh, can bounce back next year. I, I like I like what they're doing this opposite.
0: Yeah, no, I got you. We'll talk more about that down the road, too, Connor. Thanks for the time. Thanks, we Connor. appreciate it. Connor Latorno. we've got somebody on the line with. Him. I want to take care of so we can get this yeah. caller before Mitchell Verberg joins us. Yeah, go for it. Who do you got on the fan? I can't remember. Okay, well, let's uh, let's bring <laughs> whoever this is. That's honest. Yeah, si- mystery caller, enter and sign in, please. Hi, who is this? Uh, John Castor. Hey, John. Okay, we can see it on the, on the mystery guest board. John, uh, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
5: Thank you. Uh, Three questions. One is, um, what is the earliest time a Oregon State Beaver football game would start? I'm looking at buying tickets for somebody coming in from out of town. They need to know what the range would be. Is the earliest Pac-12 game at 12
0: noon? Earliest could be 11 a.m., I think. I've seen some games no earlier than that, but I think it's possible that a game could start at 11 a.m.
5: And what's the... Last time the game was midnight. Started, no, I'm <laughs> sorry. Eight, eight, eight o'clock. Eight is eight o'clock. 8 I would
0: say the range is 11 a.m. to eight for kickoffs.
5: Okay, great. Number two is I went to the Beaver baseball game. I can't remember if it was two weeks ago, Sunday, whatever it was, the Washington game. I was in the bleachers. There are tons of seats in the stands. I assume they're they were empty. I assume either A they were people over in the Pat Casey pavilion or there B people over in the other area or they're just no shows. But I'm just curious, it seems like they could seat a lot more people.
0: Um, or is there a fire code no attendance? I, I don't think so. I do think you're you're I think when you see the empty ones, their their tickets are out there. There's not they're not available to buy, but the, the people haven't either transferred them to somebody else or they haven't shown up. Or they're there and they're or they're apartment. there or somewhere else. So I, I'm not sure how, how that all works, John, but it's not as though those tickets are going unsold. They're 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 just well, you know, there's factors around why they're not occupied, those seats.
5: Right. Well I wondered was were they people that have a seat but they go over to the pavilion yeah, or do you buy be. a separate ticket for the pavilion? No, no.
1: No, you, you gotta have a ticket to go to
0: the to be able to go to the pavilion.
5: And then what about the other area where the beers
0: sold, the office? The AC Corner and stable. Banners? I think it's the same thing. Do you yes. buy it, John, do you buy a ticket for you got to see, banners? and
1: then you go, you go walk over there. Okay, so you okay. don't, yeah. There's, I, no, there's no just Banner area standing Yeah, room. I'd I like to stand. I don't, I don't
0: believe there is either, no, yeah. no.
1: Okay, it just struck me as, boy, there were tons of right? empty seats,
5: and I tr- tried to upgrade, but they said, no, it's all sold out. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah. It, that's true.
5: Okay, last question: Have they come up with a replacement for the Civil War title, like Platypus Bowl? No. My idea was the Rainbow R E mm-hmm. R E I G N, as in Play
0: on Rain. Right. I remember that. That's yeah. a clever one. But uh, no, the answer is no. I, and I don't know whether quote they are going yeah. to whoever they are, yeah. but whether they're going to come up with a new name or not. It doesn't see. It seems to have just kind of as a storyline not become, there's not much it's uh it's become be, the rivalry game yeah so i don't know it's we'll see
5: okay yeah. great thank you so much appreciate your time
0: thank you john let's break and come back with mitchell verberg with a rivalry series coming to goss stadium at coleman field this weekend on 1240 joe radio 236 to play in the half gp2 it's with a left hand slam dunk. Gary Payton, the second, the most athletic play on the floor tonight. Beavers lead at 36-25.
7: Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 758 245. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: We set them up. You knock them down.
7: Highland Bowl. Plan your next party at Highland Bowl in Corvallis. Their party package for each lane includes two hours of bowling, shoe rentals, a 16-inch cheese or pepperoni pizza, and soft drink pitcher. There's a two-lane minimum. Check out the fun at highlandbowl.com. It's a party at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You
11: knock them down.
4: Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful proteins, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app.
1: Mother's Day is this Sunday. Make her day extra special with a gift from Burst Chocolates in Corvallis. For over 80 years, Burst has continued the old fashioned and time honored tradition of making all their chocolates by hand and in small batches from original Burst family recipes. A box of candy from Burst is always a sweet Mother's Day idea. They're between third and fourth on Madison and downtown Corvallis or online at burstchocolate.com. Burst chocolates sweeten the valley since 1938.
3: Philomath, Oregon, 2002. A couple brothers had an idea to bring better internet access to rural parts of the Willamette Valley, an internet that meets your needs. We get it because we live here. If you're learning or working from home or keeping up with changes in the field, we are here to keep you connected to your world.
4: Alirica High-Speed Rural Internet. Plans starting at $49.99. Call Alirica today. Online at alirica.net. Alirica, the friendlier internet.
2: You'll find savings throughout the store at the Coastal May Savings Event.
3: Coastal farm and ranch, the just what the country
2: needs. Coastal makes living your best country lifestyle easy and affordable. This weekend, you'll find extra special savings on everything the country needs during the Coastal May Savings Event, including $20 off ladies' premium jeans, Miss Me, Silver, Wrangler, and more. Plus, get 12-inch hanging flower baskets just $27.99 and save $400 on a Kodiak 30-gun safe. Shop in-store or online at coastalcountry.com with in-store or curbside pickups or have everything shipped to your home. Details in the sales flyer and on the flip app.
3: Coastal Farm and Ranch, we just
10: what the country needs.
2: Locally in Albany, Salem, and Corvallis.
0: We have taken with us, John, the what Steve Corey said and mentioned it often in conjunction with our next guest. And Steve Corey, the legendary football coach at Lake Oswego High School, said when Mitchell arrived here, the most competitive football player he ever had was yes. Mitchell Verberg. Yes. And it, we, I That's thought high that, regard. You know, it's high praise from a good man and a good coach who's seen a lot of very good players yeah. and competitive players through the years. But that type of competitiveness. Has served Mitchell Verberg so well throughout his time at Oregon State and all that he's had to face, the Mm -hmm. adversity to overcome, missing a season with a back injury, two elbow surgeries, Mm. and working his way back through this year, some tough times earlier when I'm sure from his standards and standpoint things were not going quite as well as he would have liked, but he's stacking outing after outing now. The stuff just seems to be getting better, his own confidence, his demeanor, all of that one of my favorite stories among many great storylines for beaver baseball in 2022 and we're honored to be joined now by mitchell verberg as we get ready for a huge series this weekend the beavers in oregon rivalry series baseball at goss mitchell it's great to have you on the show thanks for taking time for us how are you feeling heading into this weekend
12: well first off mike thanks for having me i always love uh getting a chance to talk to you um i'm super excited uh you know, although it is just uh, another series, we uh, treat each one the same. It's just it's always fun playing the Ducks.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> you provided one of these signature moments in, in the modern era with your strikeout of Ryan Nelson on a 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded down there in 2017 to give Pat Casey his 1,000th win to clinch the Pac-12 title outright. Mitchell, that's five years ago, but every time you take the mound against them, it's hard for me to to not remember that as a moment in your life. How big was that one for you?
12: Uh, I look back at my time at Oregon State, and that's one of the coolest things. Um, not only getting the, Pac, the Pac-12 championship for the team, but also Case's uh, historical thousands win, uh, something that you drop as a little kid playing wiffle ball uh, at your Little League field. Um that was a really cool moment for me. It's definitely something I'll remember for the rest of my life.
0: And there's still moments ahead. We have no idea how this is all going to play out. But, Mitchell, to kind of bring it to the here and now and what I touched on in, in introducing you, all the path that you've been on, it's not been a smooth, easy course by any means. And yet, right now, just watching you, watching your stuff, watching your demeanor, tell us in your view, Mitchell, kind of what's gone on just this year and, and how you've been able to 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 kind of keep fighting the good fight and and get to the position you're in now where it looks like things are really starting to come together, a la 17 and 19 for you again? Mike, I just
12: think it makes it a lot sweeter. Um, Just looking back at everything that's happened, uh, everything I've gone through, what I'm going through right now, what I've been going through at the beginning of the season was really nothing compared to all that. And uh, you look at the big picture, and it just shows that each one of those little bit of adversities uh, is something that is going to prepare you for something right later in your life, and you know, I don't, I, I may not have been able to get through that if I hadn't gone through the back injury, if I hadn't gone through the two elbow surgeries, and I just think that that's what's so amazing about having this uh, mature look, being the the sixth year that I am, going through the things that I have, it just makes it that much sweeter, Mike.
1: John Warren with Mike Parker, joined by Mitchell Verberg here on the Joe Beaver Show. Did they call you Gramps on the team? <laughs> Oh, almost a little too much. John. <laughs> <laughs> and and where does the, the grit and the the perseverance and the attitude, all of what you have, where, where does that come from? Is it something you learned, your parents, uh, an uncle, or or a coach along the line in Lake Oswego? Um,
12: I think it comes from my uh, faith in God, um, just knowing that I'm never alone and there's always a plan. There's always hope and there's always joy with the things that I do. Um, uh, and I think just building a relationship that I have with God isn't something that has got me through everything and it it'll continue to get me through everything in my life. And I'm just so thankful for that. That's beautiful.
0: It's a great answer, Mitchell. And you've shared that consistently now that I mean, even though things are going well now, I've wondered through that faith never I mean, not I shouldn't say never waver. We all go through seasons and time where it can look a little bleak and you wonder what's happening. But it seems as though you've stayed grounded in that through through all of these experiences. Is that fair to say?
12: Oh, hundred percent. And I would say it's even more important to stay in that faith when, when things are going good, um, give praise. And then any, any talk that you have about our Lord is, uh, is one that's a uh, point towards him and it's always positive. So I think that's what's been the biggest thing.
0: Mitchell Verberg joining us on the Joe Beaver show, Mitchell, uh, John asked you about a coach, a teacher, a parent. You certainly have a great foundation with your folks and your family. I'm sure But I wonder about Steve Corey's comment and what it was, since we didn't see you play high school football, there must have been something in in (laughs) how you competed and played for Coach Corey to say that about you. What about your football experience with Steve Corey?
12: It's hilarious because I I often think about myself back in high school and I would love to see Coach Corey talk about me now and (laughs) sit down with me and see the difference. I just think of it. it's a little bit more barbaric, uh, <laughs> in my high school days. Uh, my competitive spirit was probably a little bit more aggressive. Um, I would say my competitive spirit nowadays is more, uh, tuned and funneled. Um, but I've always kept it. And coach Corey was such a big impact on me at like Oswego high school and football in itself had such an important aspect of my life. Um, yeah, but coach Corey, he's a, he's a great guy. He was a great mentor. And, uh, I would. I would love to see, like I said, uh, his opinion of my competitive spirit. Now, <laughs> a little different.
1: Yeah, you know, it's you lead us into a perfect question that is bandied about in talk radio and in in the sports world about a multi sport athlete. Are you glad you you played football and didn't just focus on baseball your entire sports life? That's something that
12: I would give to a younger uh, athlete is playing multiple sports is so important, especially it was for me. Um, I learned something different from each sport, from basketball to football to baseball, that has helped me on my way in my baseball career mightily. I remember um, my senior year of high school, Jake Dukart, absolute um, electric player, very talented. And as you can see, he's playing with us now. We started sharing time my senior year of high school and that was so important as at the quarterback position. We started sharing time. That was so important in my development because I learned how to be a good teammate. I learned how to put my own uh, desires aside and really just root for my teammates. And I think that that is something that I learned so much in high school. And then coach Corey was telling me the same thing was just rooting for my teammates and just putting my own will and my own desires aside for, just whatever will help the team. And, uh, I click that into Oregon State,
0: definitely. Last few minutes with Mitchell Verberg. Looking forward to seeing him on the bump this weekend in a huge series with Oregon. Back 12 title implications on the line for the next three weekends coming down the stretch for the Bees. It's been an amazing and fun year thus far. I wanted to ask you a little bit, Mitchell, without giving away too many trade secrets, I guess, but just from a pitchability standpoint and the stuff itself and Movements you're getting on pitches and so on. What has that been a function? Uh, Coach Dorman said that they kind you and he sat down and studied some video from 19. Has was that helpful? Tell us just a little bit about how you've kind of come back round into the right kind of form that's made you so effective here of late.
12: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question, Mike. Um, I haven't been able to, I haven't had any questions leading a whole lot towards Doran. I just, I, I want to give all, all the all my praise. Um, He sat down with me the other week, and he knew I was struggling uh, mentally and with my mechanics, and we just started working from the bottom up. Um, The biggest thing uh, was fixing my load, and fixing my load in my lower half has been so important because it just freed up my arm completely. Um, I'm able to get more out front, finish my pitches better, and the ball just feels like it's free out of my hand and I can put it where I want. That was the biggest adjustment that we made. And it really freed up my arm completely. So I got to I got to give a whole lot of credit to Dora for being, um, being the man that he is and sitting down with me and talking me through everything when I was struggling quite a bit.
1: Well, you know, not everybody, not every athlete can take and you know direction and say you need to you know pull your elbow in or whatever the adjustment might be and actually do it. So you know, credit to you for actually doing what it what it meant to do, and it's paid off.
12: Totally, and but the thing is, uh, Dorr was—he uh, was a big part in just building the relationship previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last couple of years, in order to come up to me and be able to coach me the way that he did, which is so important because it could have it could have completely gone a different way where I could have pushed him away. But he's built that relationship, and he's such a good guy. Where anything that he says, I'm gonna take in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take in and really try and become a better pitcher from
1: it. No doubt.
0: Mitchell, let's close with just a thought from you on the overall team. When you talk about being a good teammate, you learn that with Duke at, at L.O., and, and and you're surrounded by guys now, it seems, this 2022 club. that you It feels like that's happening here with this group, a lot like the 18 team, which I know you wanted to be, you know, you were around it, but not able to compete with that group that won it all. You were a big part of 2017 in the 56 and 60s. And so, I mean, you've been around some great teams. What are your thoughts about this group right now in terms of your togetherness and your common quest to try to make something special happen again?
12: I would say the biggest thing about that is just the suppression of the ego. Um, it's, all about, it's all about the team this year. It's not me, me, me. It's uh, We. And I think that that's so important because that's something that I fought so so heavily in 17 and 18 was this idea that the team is more important than any individual accolade. And especially from the, I spend most of my time with the pitchers, everybody, every second that you have a good outing, you come back to the bullpen and every person gets up and gives you a hug. And it's just so happy to see each other have success. And that's just part of the culture at Oregon State. And, you know, it makes it way, way more fun to play when, you know every guy behind you is rooting for you. So I think that that's something that's been on my mind a lot, and I'm just so thankful for it with this this group this year.
0: Mitchell, it's great to talk to you as always. I always come away visiting with you, feeling better about everything. I appreciate that. Thanks for the time, Mitch, and we look forward to seeing you throughout the weekend and the rest of the way. Congratulations on getting into the position you're in, and we look forward to more wonderful moments on the Diamond and off. Thanks for taking time, Mitchell. We appreciate it.
12: Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it as well.
0: Thank Thanks, you, Mitchell. Mitch. Mitchell Verberg, our guest. Let's break. we got a couple of quick breaks to get quick in. Quick update. Yes. Uh,
1: there are GA tickets to go to Banners. Oh, so you buy a GA
0: ticket to stand, yeah. standing room only on Banners. Yeah, Don same wrote, with Dom wrote
1: in to mention Is that. Is that true
0: of Casey Corner? That do I think? don't know, but probably. Yeah. Let's break and we'll come back on 1240 Joe Radio.
11: Hey, this is Randy Holmes. We're still getting fired up down here at the Angry Beaver Grill. Introducing Throw Down Thursday, the country line dancing beginning at 8 p.m. Can't dance but want to learn? They'll teach you a new dance every week. Don't forget our Tuesday night trivia beginning at 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights featuring all you can eat spaghetti dinner for seven bucks. And get the best prime rib dinner in town every Friday night. So let's get fired up and have some fun down here at the Angry Beaver on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis.
3: Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at alirica.net.
11: We set them up, you knock them down Highland
3: Bowl Plan your next
7: party at Highland Bowl in Corvallis Their party package for each lane includes two hours of bowling Shoe rentals, a 16-inch cheese or pepperoni pizza, and soft drink pitcher There's a two-lane minimum, check out the fun at highlandbowl.com It's a party at Highland Bowl on 9th
6: Street in Corvallis We
7: set them up, you knock them down
6: Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Heresco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at heresco.com. Heresco Chiropractic in Corvallis, we really can make a world of difference for you.
9: Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first.
4: Stargazer premier florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, and they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer Premier's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the moms in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis.
7: Lamette is ready. Here it comes. Swung on a chopper to first. In the right field, a base hit. Around third is Miller coming home. Zokar's throw to the plate, not in time. Miller scores with a slide and Stephen Kwan has his first major league walk-off base hit. And Cleveland with its first walk-off win of the year. The Guardians with three two-out runs in the eighth to tie it and then Stephen Kwan banged a single between first and second. Into right field to score Owen Miller from second, and Cleveland gets a split in this doubleheader,
0: winning the That's Knights. Tom it, Hamilton. It is Tom Hamilton.
1: When, when he said the Guardians, there was a little Harry Doyle in there. The mm. Guardians. <laughs> uh, Hamilton's uh, good. I uh, like U- him. Euchre, yeah. major yeah. No, I got gotcha.
0: you. And they're they're having a major league kind of. Well, they're not. I mean, they're not winning a lot of games. But that's a huge moment for mm. our own. Adding to the sweetness. Yeah. Stephen Kwan, good stuff. Let's get Paul in on the Downward Dog phone line. Uh, the
1: answer is no on Casey's Corner, Casey Corner.
0: Yeah, you, you, what, you just wander in there if you want to? Yeah, what?
1: but, uh, or maybe you can't even go in there. See, I don't know. See, I don't, I
0: never, we, we work, we're workers. We <laughs> we, we don't, don't know we that. Know. I don't know how, what happens. I just you know the ball there is heading toward Casey Corner. Nobody's ever really explained exactly how it works. Maybe Paul knows. Paul might know. I see him at a lot of games, and I hope he braves the elements this weekend. Paul, good afternoon.
5: Yeah. Good afternoon. Yeah, sometimes Casey Corner is is bought out for a private party, and you can't go up. Okay. Uh, but there has I haven't seen a private party there this year. Okay. Uh, you can just walk up because there's concession stands up there. You can walk up there and buy a beer, or mm-hmm. buy a, a hot dog, or something up there.
1: Okay. Good.
5: They I, they they only sell the seats. There's several seats that is sitting at a countertop along the rail, right yeah, on the third or third base line. And those are the seats they sell. And I, I haven't seen any standing room tickets on banner or on Casey Corner. But what's going on with banners is last year, you know, the squad ticket only got you a seat in the outfield. Mm-hmm. This year, they they give you a standing only standing room only ticket on banners with your squad ticket, so you get inside the stadium. Yeah, and and. It, and I'm just guessing here, but what I think is going on, because you see so many empty seats you know, down in the orange chairs along the third baseline, the first baseline is pretty well full, but there's so many open chairs. They're giving the squad ticket people tickets inside the stadium because there's so many season ticket
1: holders that don't show up to the games. Hmm. And they're getting, getting them in the stadium. But how do you know if that if they're going to show up or not? Well, it doesn't make any difference, They because when you look at the, when you just look at the
5: stadium every game, you can figure that they're not showing up and they're just getting given standing room tickets out. So people get inside the stadium instead of having to, to sit in the outfield,
1: but And it's just a guess, but that's because there's so many empty seats. So in other words, if you were, uh, you, you use squad tickets, and I think that's a great deal and you've explained it to me before, but if you're in banners using your squad ticket and you manage to get through to go sit down somewhere, if that particular seat holder shows up, you just go to another empty seat, right? Exactly. Yeah. You just get up and move. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So Paul, you, you touched on this, but what did provoke your original call?
5: Oh, that's, that's what you guys were talking about. You didn't know where the, oh, man oh, the okay. Was
0: going or what, what I didn't that. know. That's what okay. I wanted to call you and tell you. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, anything else?
5: Oh man, great interview with Mitchell. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's such a great kid. Yes, uh, he is
0: one uh, of the best. Uh,
5: well, he's not really a kid anymore.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. old man. He's, he's, yeah.
5: <laughs> he's a wily old veteran, man.
8: Yes, he is, <laughs> uh, and
0: it's so good to see him pitching yeah, so well.
5: I just got to give props to Dorman too. It seems like he's really, really got that pitching staff humming along.
0: Pretty amazing, and we'll talk about it through the weekend and hope that it continues to hold. Thanks for the call, Paul. We'll break on that. I I did some research, and Josh did too. I asked Josh to go back over his score sheets. We'll talk about it when we wrap it up next on 1240 Joe Radio.
3: Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids has the right tires for the right price for your Prius, Toyota, and all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Come see Dave's new tire expert, Eddie, with 27 years experience in the industry and save today with Dave's $60 off tire special. Need an oil change? Get $20 off your next oil service at Dave's Performance Hybrids. Off I-5 and Highway 20 and all, Albany online at Dave's Performance Hybrids.com. Unified Insurance Group
9: is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown
1: Corvallis. They're your hometown team,
9: always putting you first
1: mother's day is this sunday make her day extra special with a gift from burst chocolates in corvallis for over 80 years burst has continued the old-fashioned and time-honored tradition of making all their chocolates by hand and in small batches from original burst family recipes a box of candy from burst is always a sweet mother's day idea they're between third and fourth on madison and downtown corvallis or online at burstchocolate.com. burst chocolates sweeten the valley since 1938
9: If you're an experienced modeler, or maybe you're just starting out, Trump's Hobbies is there to help. Trump's carries the latest in RC cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, model trains, fantasy games, paints, parts, and supplies. Trump's is an old-fashioned hobby shop that's been around answering questions and fixing problems since 1972. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life.
4: Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go. No beeves.
7: If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and go We don't like them, and they don't like us. It's as simple as that. Uh, We want to beat
3: them. Uh, I think we want to beat them a little more than we want to beat everyone else. It's the series every Beaver fan circles on their calendar. The rivalry series returns home to Goss this weekend for a three-game set with the Oregon Ducks. Oregon State Baseball is brought to you by Alvin's Plumbing, the OSU Beaver Store, Abby's Pizza, and independent auto works. Pre-game coverage starts 45 minutes before first pitch, you're on 1240, Joe Radio. That was a good promo. I wanted to
1: slip it in there. Uh, yeah. And, we'll, and you know what? We've got games this weekend, so a- interesting. Um, Herschel McGriff, really under the radar, so much so as a NASCAR legend from the state of Oregon. He's 94. Oh, my God. And just now going to be put into the Hall of Fame. Next January is when the induction will be in Daytona. Herschel McGriff, especially in the Portland area, longtime legendary NASCAR guy from way back when NASCAR was almost not too far removed from moonshine running. So, uh, congratulations to Herschel McGriff. And here's something else. We don't have time today, maybe not even tomorrow. We, we can weigh in on it. But, you know, uh, the NIL and portal and all, all that stuff is fluid, and it's always rolling over, right? There's a story of the AD at Wichita State getting fired, and I think it's the first of its kind, where it's like, okay, here we go. This is There may be more of this. For not for okay winning teams, great, and 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 you know guiding uh, student all, all of what you you do, but now he gets fired, Wichita State, uh, Darren Boatwright, for not having put together anything for NIL. Isn't that something? Yeah,
0: I heard you the do that story this morning. Money. No, I an AD fired for not being proactive enough, right, or visionary enough to Which get I, something it's rolling. Be a first. Interesting. Speaking of Hall of Fame, our own Doc Fink in the Cosida yes. for, and we hope maybe to talk to Steve tomorrow if he's willing to jump on, and we can offer him congratulations. If he's not out
1: on. Uh, well, on he's the bay in Newport. I, I
0: know he's in Newport. Whether he's out, but heck, we got a call from Rome today. Yeah. we ought to be able to get a call from uh, just a little <laughs> outside a good of Does Depot Bay. Does a cell phone
1: bay. work when you're out on the open water? <laughs>
0: uh, Steve Fink, uh, in the his field of so many years. Sports Information Director, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Doc Fink. I had Josh go back and look this up because in the Utah game, John, one of the games, I said, well, that's back-to-back walks issued by the Beavers. And then I paused and said, that's a phrase that hasn't escaped my lips very often this year. So I wanted to see if it had one other game I, since I took over, one other game, back-to-back walks. So it's only the second time since I've been doing the games that Beaver pitching issued back-to-back walks. I had Josh. I called Josh. Josh, can you do work on your own score sheets? February 18th, Jerpy walked two in a row. One scored. Beavers won 21-1. The next day, Fennings walks two in a row. Neither scored. Beavers won 13-5. March 5th, UCI, Kamats walked two in a row. Both scored. That was the other one that I uh, mm-hmm. that I had done. UC Irvine, Kamats walked two in a row. The Beavers won 9-5. On March sixth, UCI. Now, now that's uh, John, had, uh, Josh, and Jim had those games. Mm-hmm. March sixth, the next day, UCI, and March thirteenth, Washington State. Back to back, hit by pitches, but not walks. The upshot is, since all of that, those were Josh's games. I've had two situations of back to back. That's very good, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. K
7: E J O Corvales and translator K two two ninety I Corvales, the home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.